Excuse me. Hi. 27, please. I drive carefully. You're carrying precious cargo. I mean, mad power-wise. 27. You may not realize it, Miss Kubelik, but I am in the top 10, efficiency-wise. And this may be the day, promotion-wise. You're beginning to sound like Mr. Kirkaby already. Well, why not, now that they kicking me upstairs? <laughs> Couldn't happen to a nicer guy. You know, you're the only one around here who ever takes his hat off in the elevator. Really? The characters you meet. Something happens to men in elevators. Must be the change of altitude. The blood rushes to their head or something. Boy, I could tell you stories. That I'd love to hear them. <laughs> Maybe we could have lunch in a cafeteria sometime. Or, or some evening after work. 27. Oh. I hope everything goes all right. <laughs> I hope so. Would you know they call me on a day like this, what with the cold or their... How do I look? Fine. Wait. Thank you. You know, that's the first thing I ever noticed about you. When you were still in the local elevator, you always wore a flower. <laughs> Good luck. And wipe your nose. So you know why this episode is going to be awesome? Also, I read a study that out of 100 podcasts, 10% make it to make it past episode 10. Out of those, 10% make it past episode 20. Oh, lovely. 99% of podcasts have fallen by the wayside. We are in that 1% who actually made it to episode 20. So. Yeah, we all. I mean, we we had a bit of a, a starter between fifteen to twenty because you know we've had you've moved, I've moved, like our schedules it took a bit of a, a little bit of a tumble. But we're back yeah. and we will keep going because we haven't even done the good stuff yet. We were like we have to go through. Yeah, we've just been so, like we'll do, save it for later, save it for later. Yeah, but I think today's like, today's episode is one of those the good stuff bits that we finally caved in and we're like, let's do it. Yeah, let's do this. This is this is actually, uh, okay, but yeah, we've just been been talking and I haven't introed anything. <laughs> welcome. <laughs> uh, welcome to episode 20. We've made 20 episodes of Two Please. I'm Yay! your host, Abin. Yay. And I'm your co-host, Rohit. Yay! And, uh, okay, insert applause, laughter. Yes. You're the best. I, I love you. Take your shirt off and start dancing. That's space. That's where we are right now. Okay, uh, no. Uh, no. <laughs> okay. Now, this week's episode is a rather special one because we will be discussing a movie that we hold very close to our hearts. It is probably one of our most favorite films of all time. If not our most favorite movie of all time. We will be discussing Billy Wilder's The Apartment. So yeah, I think I would call it my favorite movie. But I mean, no, I, I don't know. It, I don't think there's a right answer to that question. I think a couple of weeks ago, I, I got into a fairly long and slightly argumentative discussion with one of my friends um, on the same question where... Uh, I don't know why, why, why we do this to ourselves, where we ask ourselves, what is your favorite movie? I don't think there is a right answer to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it it's more a point in time sort of question. But um, it's yeah, whenever I... Spectrum, I would say. Like, yeah, it's, it's and a it's also a spectrum. Yeah, yeah. But whenever I want to feel good, uh, again, we mentioned this in our Feel Good episode as well, but this is one of those movies you're just like, it's like a ray of sunshine, I would say. And... Uh, emblematic of the sort of movies Billy Wilder makes, in my opinion. This is the archetypical, the very epitome of, of the, the, whatever, the most distinct form of what makes Billy Wilder click for me. So, mm-hmm. lots, lots to dive into. But what are your thoughts about this? What, what are your feelings, I would say, about this movie? 
this is, as you mentioned, it really should have been on the feel-good list, but I think we've addressed it, uh, addressed that point because you and I both want to discuss this movie in detail because there, we share so much love for the film and we both are big Billy Wilder fans. Uh, I mean, come on, if you don't, uh, you may know a little about film, but the intro to our pod, which we'll hear in a very, uh, in a couple of minutes, <laughs> yeah. is literally Gloria Swanson from Sunset Boulevard, directed by Billy Wilder. That's so you know uh, that we share a great affinity for the director's work. And also more so uh, after this movie for Jack Lemmon, because he was, for me, I, I mean, there has always been one actor in the 90s that I attribute a lot of my happiness and and uh, feel good factor too, and that is Robin Williams. If I were to go beyond Robin Williams, uh, I think the next actor that gave me that sense of joy and fulfillment was probably Jack Lemmon because I absolutely adore the man. Great comic timing. His even in his serious roles, he was always so good. Like if you watch Glenn yeah. Gary, Glenn Ross, he's excellent in yeah, yeah, he's excellent in that as well. So and he's far from a. Uh, from the light-hearted character that he plays in this movie. So, before we get into it, let's intro the pod. Cue Gloria Swanson. Here we go. I am big. It's the picture that got small. Yeah, all right, we're back. And here we are discussing The Apartment. Now, Rohit, when was the last time you watched this movie? The last time I watched this movie was maybe around two and a half, three months ago when mm. uh, I offhandedly was having a discussion with uh, Poonam. So Poonam's my wife. Mm. And um, I don't know who asked whom. I, I think she was aware that I really loved the movie. Uh, and offhand, I just asked her... Uh, if she had seen it and she said no and I remember just my head whipped to myself I was like wait what in in all these years have I never made you watch the movie she's like no you only talk about it you never make me watch it I was like this is getting rectified right now it was it was a weekend and I I have a print of the movie it's not there on any of the platforms I mean no it's not it's a 1960 I mean, it... black and white movie it's hard mm. to have that mm. set of movies they're generally not there on any of these platforms mm. anyway I had it on my hard disk I put plugged up the uh, the laptop with the HDMI and I'm like okay keep aside two hours and just prepare to feel very happy at the end of it sat down for lunch put the movie and like uh, actually at this point I've seen the movie so many times I was more watching her reaction, see how she was reacting to mm-hmm. uh, scenes of the movie, especially, I mean, I'm jumping a bit here, especially the whole tennis ball spaghetti scene. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's the, one of my the, favorite the, parts the racket the sequence. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The racket sequence. So, uh, so, you know, tennis ball, the tennis racket spaghetti mm-hmm. sequence. And just watching somebody see that for the first time and obviously screwball comedy or that sort of comedy has been done so many times subsequently and it's very easy for somebody to uh, say okay this has been done but the the parts of the movie still although they're quite old still holds uh, holds up today and still makes you laugh still makes you smile and to see that get validated even when somebody was watching it for the first time and to see that happening was, was amazing experience 
I think this was the first time where I wasn't watching the movie, but I was watching somebody watch the movie. Mm-hmm. And how did she like it? So, like, like, what is her opinion on it? She enjoyed it, uh, not as much as me, I guess, because uh, I am just beneath all that cynicism that <laughs> yeah. softy at heart really loves mm. a good old-fashioned romantic comedy done right, not mm-hmm. not like a cliched one, but a rom rom com done right. Mm-hmm. The other movie that I made her watch, which she hadn't before, was La La Land, which she really loved. I think mm-hmm. uh, she she received it a lot better than she did Apartment. Not that she didn't like the Apartment. She was like, it's nice. Like I don't But get your obsession fairy- with it. It's too fairy taleish. And also, no, I've yeah. so generally there's so whenever I recommend movies that are of a certain age to people, they, they don't always yeah. enjoy it to the extent that I yeah. do, and that's something I've learned to accept because. No, like when it comes to as you, another another thing we share in common is I absolutely love rom coms done right. I I love the, I I can be extremely cynical about certain things in life, but put me in a movie where nothing makes sense and just like, two people are happy in the end. Or if they don't have to be happy, they don't even have to get together in the end. As a matter of fact, one of my favorite tropes is two actors like two characters in a film that obviously share a great chemistry but can still sustain. a relationship without having to be romantically involved that's lovely but at the same time i also enjoy the other side of it which is the more traditional rom-com the um the boy meets girl or just and like unrequited love there's a there's a whole arc in the apartment that they hint at but we'll get to it when when we're discussing it and and him being the lovable underdog yeah. there's yeah. I mean, there's, there's so much to love in the there's movie there's so much about it like it is one of those films that has it won best picture so it's not like it wasn't yeah. appreciated during its time it is definitely um one of the most quintessential pieces of cinema to have come out in the last century or so and like i remember <laughs> so i watched this very very recently because i was moving and um even though i've i've been wanted to move for a while the move has been difficult because it's always i always have a hard time leaving like i have a hard time leaving sydney scenarios once i leave i'm okay but the leaving aspect is difficult and when you're on a flight for about 20 hours there's with your own thoughts and when you're flying air india because you know that's the safest life has put you in a situation where that is the safest mode of travel uh, and uh, the least hassle free you have to like do so without any sort of access to wifi or internet and it doesn't always bore for a very entertaining time so while i was on the flight i knew that uh, from previous experiences that they wouldn't have always have their entertainment system working because it hadn't it wasn't working the last time i was on the on that flight what are you saying so, 20 hour flight without entertainment system yeah that was so when i flew back to india there was no entertainment system because i think it was just around like we were coming out of <laughs> what do they do they just give you a box of tissues knock yourself out <laughs> i mean <laughs> i mean close enough i guess but um uh, i would i was pretty pissed off with my flight cuz i was i got a spike ticket by which i mean i had a bit of an issue with the attendant at the counter and i think as a result he put me on the very last seat on the window uh, side Oh, of the of the airplane but thankfully the guy next to me decided to go um move his seat somewhere else so i had two seats to myself and that kind of saved the journey but uh i remember i, I was like you know what i was still a little anxious about leaving i was not in the most happiest places especially when i was up in the air 
I loaded up the apartment and all of those nerves and all of that anxiety just faded away. It was, it's an hour and 50, an hour and 55 minute movie flies by, absolutely flies by. And the premise is nothing spectacular. It's about this guy is an accountant who works for an insurance company. And in a bid to climb the corporate ladder, he starts renting out, or he starts giving out his apartment to his superiors to have their extramarital affairs. Um, so this movie came out in 1960, and this was just before the whole sexual awakening phase that happened uh, mm. in the West. I mean, this is five years before Woodstock. Woodstock was, was 65, right? Where 69. But by, 69, then, but by then, yeah. So the concept of free love was in its fledgling state. And it was yes. the, the whole, uh, people were, were being a lot more open uh, about things, about conversations like these. And the apartment does has that conversation very well. There's like it alludes to a lot of things that that could have been considered uh, stigma at that time, but does so from a very innocent perspective, or rather, it's pain. It, Absolutely, I think like it also this, had to sort of contend with the Hayes Code, which was still in effect. Then mm-hmm. it was maybe a few years after the sixties or early sixties was when the new wave came and just sort of slapped. Hayes code in the face saying, fuck this shit, we're not going to adhere to it. But I think at that point, apartment still had to kind of balance because the subject matter at the heart of it is, heart of it is still quite taboo. But, exactly. Uh, Billy Wilder did a great job showing it, like you were saying, in a sort of, uh, you so, allude to it, but you were squeaky clean in the process. So Californication, which is the David Duchovny show, does mm-hmm. a tribute to the apartment um, in one of its episodes. It's a lot in, in, in true Californication style. It's a lot more explicit than uh, what the actual <laughs> source material is. Because you know how California. If you've seen yeah, Californication, yeah. Californication, you know what I'm talking about. If you haven't seen Californication, check it out. Um, go do the first four fe- seasons and then stop because there's a really interesting character arc there. There's some very nice, uh, what do you call, story moments. But beyond four, it just gets very repetitive and not so much fun. Um, much like Dexter, which is also making a comeback, but lesser said the better. Lesser said the better, I guess. But yeah, let's get into the apartment. So, like we said, it's the story about this guy called CC Baxter, who is an accountant at an insurance company, wants to obviously be successful in his career, and uh, I think initially starts off as a one-off thing where he gives his apartment to a superior to have an extramarital affair. Word gets around, and then uh, all his superiors start pushing for pushing him to like rent out his apartment. Most of, more often than not, to his own, uh, like to Baxter's detriment, because he's usually left standing out in the cold. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah, and it's and it's not co- and, and his neighbors seem to have a lot of complaints because they hear all kinds of noises and they and, assume that it's just him. Yeah, I love that dynamic where the neighbors, the, the wife, is uh, assumes all of these dalliances that people are having in his house is the male in all of these is Baxter, and she in her head she thinks CC Baxter is this ultra playboy who has like four women come over in the night and like uh, just a different person every time and. You knowing the character as you do, you realize it. she could not be far, farther away from the truth. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's just this quintessential nice guy, but in her eyes, he's like this playboy. The whole dynamic, the way she looks at him, treats him, it's hilarious. It's lovely because we see the main character from a, a completely different perspective. Um, the neighbors see the character from a completely different perspective. 
the work people at his at his office seeing from a different perspective. So it's one character, but so many different perspectives of of him that you can see. I mean, obviously we are we have like a bird's eye view of what's happening, but at the same time we also have a very in the shoes uh, experience with the character. And his address is fifty first uh, West sixty seventh Street, which is. 10 blocks from where I stay roughly or so. <laughs> and mm-hmm. I, I went and looked it, looked it up yesterday. It's not like there's nothing there. I mean, there are houses there, but it's very clearly shot on studio. So, mm. uh, and uh, obviously nothing looks the same anymore. This was the 60s and, you know, we're here right now. Funny enough, 67th Street is where I go to watch my movies. So there's a there's a nice little nice. connection there. So uh, that's my, my nearest theater is there. Um, but, but yeah, let's get back to the film. So how did you find it? And how did, uh, just let's, let's, let's get to the beginning of this story. How did I find it? So, um, sometime in engineering, I think it's like third or fourth year during my more third year. Yeah. Pirate days where <laughs> download movies in mass. Um, I'm not sure if it was the first Billy Wilder movie I watched. I think the first Billy Wilder movie I watched was Sunset Boulevard. Mm. Obviously, Sunset Boulevard, even outside of the filmography of Billy Wilder, is an iconic movie yeah. in like the movie sphere. So mm. I'd come across it. I then I heard about Billy Wilder and I, I was randomly reading, and I think it was pure coincidence. I'm like, okay, so I like Billy Wilder movies. This is some rom-com. Let's give it a let's give it a watch. And uh, yeah, I think sometime in third year and first viewing itself, I was like, okay, I love this movie. Like, and it's, it's, it's love at first, uh, first watch with the movie. I think for most people, anyone, if you love it, you love it straight away. There's repeat viewings that make, well, might make it a little better for you, but it's the sort of movie where you just, it clicks. And um, yeah. No, go on, go on. That was it for me. No, that, that, oh, was, that was pretty <laughs> much it for me. I think I've been watching it once or twice every year, just. Uh, I remember when I was in Vizag right after my MBA, uh, work wasn't great. Like it was a sales role, which I didn't really enjoy much. Mm. I was in a city with no friends. It was not a great time for me. I yeah. think that mm-hmm. in that year, I would have watched it three, four times just whenever I was at the lower. I think just plug it in and just feel better. No, okay. So um, I attribute to finding this movie to the 2011 Best Picture winner, The Artist. So the artist is was like a modern day version of a silent film. It is a silent movie, and it's about an right. artist who is uh, who was a big star in the in the silent film era, but was one of those many stars who was unable to make the jump into talkies because they just didn't have a talking voice for it. And um, that led me to a series of films. But I think 2011 had. That led few. me to Sunset Boulevard, by the way. It did, yeah. Yes. Because, yeah, because I'll tell you two things that happened during that. That year had saw the release of The Artist. It also saw the release of Hugo. And Hugo uh, has a lot of influence. Like, are you directed by Martin Scorsese? Uh, takes, has a big plot uh, of it that's centered around on Journey to the Moon. Because, right. um, and so in search of all like and we this is just when you and i were like getting into hardcore quizzing and so we started looking up the lumia brothers we saw uh obviously journey to the moon then the silent film era which led me to singing in the rain and then there's the whole uh 
sequence there. And then obviously like Fading Stars and Sunset Boulevard is also a story about a star who's, uh, you know, who's, I mean, whose power is on the wane. And right. then that led us to The Apartment, which is another Billy Wilder film. And much too, uh, like, as our, uh, at least to me at that point, was like, I was watching the movie and I said, this is a lot like Yes Boss, which is yes, a yes. 96 movie, 95, 96, uh, no, 97, I'm sorry, uh, a 1997 Shah Rukh Khan movie. And then it occurred to me that, oh, yeah, Yes Boss is inspired by The Apartment. And like, if you were to cast somebody in that role, 97 Shah Rukh Khan would probably be it, especially mm. in Bollywood. Yeah. Um, and then I watched the film in 2011, 2012, and absolutely fell in love with it. It was, I, I remember watching it, and I went to know my dad, I said, have you watched this movie? And he said, no, I haven't. I'm like, I'll give it to you, just watch it. And then he loved it too, because he's also a bit of a soft at heart. Uh, the same, I wish the same could be said for Final Days of Summer. He just didn't get it. But <laughs> I was like, uh, that's a very, mm, I, mm. I have strong opinions on Final Days of Summer, which swing wildly. There are days when I'm like, summer wasn't wrong. There are days when my less, a, less ra- my less yeah. rational days, I side with Joseph Gordon-Levitt. My more rational days, I side with um, Sweet Chanel. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I love that movie. I, it has such, like every time I watch it, I notice something new. And yeah, I, I too love that movie, but I, I, I don't watch it as often purely because it, it stays with me for longer than I'd like. Every time it, is, it, it has been the movie. So when I first watched the movie, I had a very varying opinion. And through the years, as you grow up, that the movie changes for you, which is yes, its absolutely. most impressive aspect. So as you first watched it, because it opens, I know we're digressing a little bit from the apartment, but a very quick side note on Final Days of Summer. Um, it opens with a letter from the screenwriter to his ex-girlfriend. Uh, and then he calls her a bitch. And then you're like, oh, that sets the tone for you it, as an 18-year-old, as, an, as a 19-year-old. Yeah. And then you start, then you realize, oh my God, this is absolutely heartbreaking. And then it stays with you for a few years. 2017, I watched it again and it was a completely different film. I was like, oh, you are like the main character is a complete dickhead too. And, and even I'm not, and then you realize that in the end that they're both dickheads and, but they're also like, they both want things that each other is incapable of giving. So, what you then realize as you grow up is there are no dickheads in the movie. There's different people wanting different things at exactly, different points yeah. in time. Mm-hmm. And it's uh, there's one sequence in the film that's, that is still extremely heartbreaking. And it's the whole lining up of your reality with your expectations. It's uh, just uh, if there ever was a gut punch to the fields, that probably is it. There are uh, similar gut punches in, in the apartment as well. There is the mm. Christmas party scene. Yeah. Uh, for those in the know. And for those, again, who haven't watched it, I won't spoil it. But um, yeah, so the, the whole uh, premise, so we've discussed one half of the, the heart of the movie. The other half, obviously, is that the insurance firm at which uh, Baxter works, there is an elevator girl played by Shelley McLean, uh, Fran Kublik, right? That's yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, she plays Fran Kublik. Uh, typical of that time, at least typical uh, sweet girl that Shelley McLean used to play. Sweet but sassy uh, girl mm-hmm. that Shelley McLean used to play in movies. And uh, Baxter harbors a, a crush. I, I think it's a little more than a crush, but uh, mm-hmm. for her. But being the gentleman that he is, he doesn't. He all he's always uh, has a friendly disposition with her. 
mm-hmm. every day in the lift there's this genial conversation that they have a couple of lines and he leaves it at that um i think in internally in his head he is trying to work up the courage to tell her how he feels at some point um but obviously this is the very straightforward dynamic in comes the kahani mein twist which twist, is again, yeah. which is uh, so then he gets pulled up into his boss's office like his actual boss's office and yes. uh, he thinks he's getting promoted then his boss tells him that he knows of his little adventures that or rather his what he's been doing uh, for all his managers and at this point Baxter thinks thinks that the gig is up he's about to get fired and then he realizes that his boss wants the apartment uh, to take a date uh, to and then just have so it turns out that the date is Shelly McLean the one person that he truly loves uh, yeah. and that's basically like the the complication to the story and how it resolves is it's it's, its own thing because his boss is married and you know whatever there's a whole arc there uh Shirley McLean's fla- uh, Fran Kubelik is her character is like is very interesting in in a way that she's so perfect yet she is so broken mm. from past relationships because the way Billy Wilder stages Shirley McLean in this film is she has almost like a, a doll like face uh yeah. pix- pixie cut sparkling eyes like every time she's on screen you can't help but notice her eyes they are they are almost magnetic mm. and you understand Baxter's fixation with this character you understand just like how drawn she is she's she seems so pure but as he digs deeper he realizes this girl is is suffering and that just is like no matter and that you know uh how do i put this it's very sim- symbolic of the times we live in because everyone like especially during now and everyone seems all prim and proper and we have instagram to thank for it where superficiality seems to have like you know just um taken center stage but yet everyone is like trying to fill a hole or or a need somewhere or the other and, and i think even in the 60s things were no different and just so happens this is a perfect uh example of a character that has stood the test of time where it, that character trait amongst all of us has been um pretty standard through generations and it's just changed the way it's de- like it, it showcases itself i guess in the, in the modern world and you're so attracted to like her persona you're so attracted to her because first you're like oh you are this extremely beautiful person at the same time you are also like there's something really sad and tragic about you that deeply affects the viewer in this case you and i and in case of and and when it comes to Baxter because Jack Lemmon oh my god is is phenomenal in the story at some point he literally carries the movie on his shoulders is he is acting for three people in certain scenes his his ability to switch between um uh, you know on un, unrequited uh, lover boy to um you know uh, convincing his neighbors that yes he is indeed him who's responsible for all this like the the way he like covers up to, to say for, for his man yeah for her for his manager like for his managers for his boss and he takes these moments between dialogues where he 
where he whenever devastating news is delivered to him he pauses in it let and you can see the visible discomfort on yeah, his face yeah and you can see and, uh, on his face it, it the yeah. expressions just cascade slowly across his face and face yeah. and he just gathers himself and again he has to be cheerful and dive into the yeah, situation yeah. it's like, like he, wow yeah it's a very real performance it really is yeah beautiful to watch and um i don't want to like go further into the plot because this is like there's a pivotal you, point which we shouldn't ruin because uh, again this is a movie i would want everyone to watch if you don't mind or a lot of people don't really like old movies they have these stig- they have a stigma that old movies also, are yeah. not there they're, they're missing out on a lot but if you do watch i would i would urge everyone to watch so again i don't want to spoil it but mm-hmm. more to your point on um, why shelly mcclain's character why plan plan cubelic is so alluring i think there's also that um, with cc baxter baxter's character i feel what you see is what you get there aren't mm. too many layers to him and i don't mean that in a bad way mm-hmm. he's a nice guy out and out and that's pretty much it that that's him in a nutshell which is great but with her you feel that there are there's a lot left unexplored by on purpose by billy wilder he's shown that there are you know you peel the onion there's there's a lot of layers yeah, underneath yeah. Mm-hmm. but he doesn't go all the way to her core you, he shows you just enough to keep you intrigued and you're just wondering what's what more is there to her which again one gets you invested in the story and i, I mean all certain to a to an extent you do feel i don't i wouldn't say attracted to her but you're interested in where her and cc baxter's dynamic is going to go Mm-hmm. so i think that really adds to the movie and the other point you made where uh you see baxter in one light you see the fact that his neighbor see baxter in another light the fact that cubelic uh, fran sees him in another light his bosses see him in another light and you having a bird's eye view knowing all of it a big part of the movie is also you for a large part going this why don't you guys see him for the gem he is right exactly, a lot of times yeah. it is like why don't people just see how good he is why are they mm. the whole misunderstandings wherever uh, beat the neighbor's wife having a misunderstanding or cubelic not knowing his unrequited feelings or just like man i really wish everyone knows what's inside his mm-hmm. head and mm-hmm. you just root for him so hard in the movie that when whatever the ending eventually happens the payoff is all that much sweeter mm-hmm. it's just uh like i don't even like it's how do i put wait let me just gather my Sorry. also also hmm. uh, go on also uh, to add more on your third point where you said uh, there are points where jack lemon pretty much carries the movie i don't think mm-hmm. i could agree uh, any uh, more than i do uh, especially uh, especially there's this one scene if you recall where um, so i won't get into why but there's a, a, a set of scenes where he ends up spending new years with this random lady that he meets yeah. at a bar because he's mm-hmm. a little disillusioned with life at that point and when he gets her home she goes to the loo and he puts on a, a music record and for a good two minutes there's a good two minute scene where he's just dancing uh, alone to the music mm. that's playing mm-hmm. and somehow he makes it funny yet sad at the same time you're laughing at this like i feel so bad for this guy I'm like how did he do it he's like even uh, at the start of the film where he goes through what like there's a everyday routine for people when they go home yeah. he goes he watch he cooks he's cooking dinner he's watching television and he wants to watch this is around the time when tv dinners were really picking up as a concept so they show him yeah yeah uh, doing all of that so and it's just um 
it's extremely mundane stuff but he makes it so uh interesting to watch yeah. and man and i absolutely love jack lemon because if this movie i went and watched some like it hot uh which is another exceptional performance uh yeah. and some probably it hot is curtis no yeah tony Which curtis tony tony curtis, tony curtis, tony curtis. Uh, yeah i was thinking i was like tony what tony what and then, and then you said curtis i was like yeah okay and i was like <laughs> curtis what curtis what is <laughs> tony curtis uh, um jack lemon and of course marilyn monroe uh, in possibly one of her most famous roles of all time once again billy wilder um uh, there is obviously the very infamous scene where she says it's sugar which took her 17 takes to do uh, <laughs> so it's it's quite uh, an interesting story behind behind that as well but yeah i mean i i don't really want to say much more on the film so we let we can look to close it out if you want to actually that's the thing right it's the irony this is the movie that we wanted to discuss so much mm. and uh, there's so much to say but i think in the process of the discussion we both realized that talking too much about specific aspects will spoil the movie for others and as a cinephile that's that would be criminal to do so, so i think what we should do is like we'll put this episode out then a couple of weeks we'll revisit it with a full intense spoiler discussion because that's when i kind of want to we'll deep dive it because i think it deserves it it feels if there is ever an episode where like yes mm. but that is extremely self indulgent because i i mean i'm not going to lie this is or, or or in the in the words of the apartment this version of the episode is uh, clean spoiler wise yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh, if if you watch the movie you'll know what we're talking about exactly anyway but uh, but yeah if, i i uh, few things i don't know parting thoughts um it has one of the nicest ending sequences or ending scenes in in a movie it's, it's a great again, christmas yeah it's a great christmas movie you know that you mentioned it is it, it, is, is. it is it is a christmas movie so it is around christmas yeah christmas yeah, new years it's that week and we are slowly we're in fall here uh, in, in new uh, york city um in bangalore it's fall like you're around anyway till the summer kicks in so <laughs> <laughs> and so we're we're having a bit of bangalore weather um and so now, right now everyone's getting into that with like a month or two away from the holiday mood setting in yeah. we're in october mm-hmm. right so like so the, and if you are in that frame of mind and if you want to watch a movie on on a lazy sunday this is it uh, it's if you're in the us it's running on philo i think it's on amazon as well uh, it was at least last week hopefully it's still there and if you're in um, anywhere else i do i still think it's on prime if i'm not mistaken it is running directly it's also there uh, but yeah i mean <laughs> by the dvd it's on criterion the high seas mateys okay yeah. um let's 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 look to that stuff okay so if you haven't checked out the apartment you should it's available Please. in like all, all the three places drop what mentioned. you're doing <laughs> just watch it first thing that's the first thing you should do just watch the movie and uh, you will love it if you're listening to this episode on a saturday you can watch it on a sunday if you listen to this episode in midweek you should watch it on the weekend just like we've we've built this up for you and trust us if you're disappointed uh, with the film you can come tell us and we will take our break backs but um, if you do love it do come and tell us as well because uh, we feel really great when people watch the films that we love and they enjoy it too uh that being said we are okay so we'll be back for episode 
21 next week yeah let's talk about uh inglo the double head inglos and hateful eight let's do that mm. and that's going to be full spoiler free if you haven't watched it sorry go come back and watch the episode later yeah i mean full, full, full spoilers like that's that's basically it. okay uh, so, so to sign off uh, on the episode i just wanted to quote a line or paraphrase a line from uh the movie i absolutely adore you mr shetty uh shut up and deal <laughs> <laughs> all right i think that's all right. a sign off yeah as as good a sign as we possibly could uh get anyway we'll see you on the next one take care. yes bye bye so they opened their big mouths and out came talk 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 <laughs>